Hello and welcome to Dungeoneered, a podcast dedicated to discussing Dungeons and Dragons. I'm Aaron. And I'm Josh. Let's do this. All right, Josh. So this week we are talking about some sort of dungeon of some kind, I think. No. We're talking about the... Never mind. <laughs> We're talking about a creator of dungeons. Uh, the oh. world-renowned <laughs> Acerarach. A what? Acerarach? He is the dude who's on the, the front of the Dungeon Master's Guide. Oh, that guy has a name? Yeah. Yeah, he's a, this huge... Well, he on the front of it, it looks like he's this huge lich that has these two horns. Uh, yes, he's a... I think everybody on... it. No, I can't. I don't think I can make it that broad of a statement saying everybody on one of the books has to, is somebody famous because I think they just have a basic beholder on the Monster's Guide. But they on a lot of them, it seems like it is turned up that is somebody actually from the lore in most cases i literally thought he was just a cool picture i mean he is a really cool picture he's also the same person on the front of the tomb of annihilation uh campaign uh book is the tomb of annihilation made by him uh yeah yeah it's called the, it. the temple of the nine gods oh i thought it was called, <laughs> that's crazy how much i know i thought it was literally called the tomb of annihilation but all right no uh yeah so I'll just jump into it. Uh, Aserak is an amazing, amazingly old lich, and he has a lot of different iterations in D&D. He has changed based on, like, the current writers of D&D and their kind of ideas about who Aserak is as a person. He is originally from a different setting than the Forgotten Realms. He is from the setting of Greyhawk, which is one of Gary Gygax's own settings. So he was created by Gary. He was brought into 5th edition and the Forgotten Realms as the catalyst of the adventure Tomb of Annihilation. And he is the catalyst for it because he created the Tomb of Annihilation, which they go through, which, as we talked about previously, was the Temple of the Nine Gods. He is one of the most powerful liches in all of D&D, and it's debatable whether you could say he's more powerful than Vecna or not. Is Vecna a real thing in D&D, or is that yeah. just like... Yeah, Vecna's a real oh, thing. Okay. Yeah, it. Vecna is a powerful lich that then tried to achieve godhood. I didn't even know he was a real, like, D&D lore person. Oh, he is, yeah. And he actually is involved in Aserak's story. So, who is Aserak? Aserak in Greyhawk is the child of a powerful Baylor named Tarnhem, who had relations with a human when he was summoned by an inexperienced wizard into the material plane. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a rough story. So he kills the guy who summons him, and then like his like servant or maid, he kind of... Um, yeah. Or we're talking about a, a Baylor. Yeah, the horrible like demon Baylor. wings, demon thing. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> People of all sides seek a Sarak for his power. A notable one that I... I liked is a gith yankee necromancer named kostya Uzurith moiva who seeks to return him to existence for reasons we'll discuss later as an ally against the horrible lich queen who we've already talked about rules the gith yankee now his mother is killed by a torch wielding mob when he is at a young age and aserak is rescued by the one the only Vecna the Whispered One. So, is is this Lich, is he like half demon, too? Yeah, yeah. so he'd be called, considered a Cambion. It's a type of demon. Oh, okay. I know what those are. Yeah. 
So some of Vecna's advisors suggested that he kill the child. So Vecna killed them. And he took Aserak as his apprentice. Aserak is 10 at the time, and he loathes living, wishing to become undead like his master. Vecna attacks a location and is severely wounded, but is saved by Aserak, further ingratiating himself to Vecna. Eventually, Aserak goes to a location called the Vast Swamp, and there he builds a location called the Tomb of Horrors and he lures adventurers there for them to die and use their souls in his research. Eventually, he fully entombs himself in a tomb and devotes himself wholly to his studies, and he turns himself into a demi-lich, having no need for a physical body anymore. Aren't are demi-liches like the floating skull things? Yeah. Many attempt to take on his resting place, but none have been successful despite their claims that they had. By the time that a second module returns adventurers to the Tomb of Horrors, it's literally called Return of the Tomb of Horrors, a group of necromancers has settled the area outside the tomb, and this place has become known as Skull City. In this adventure, the tomb is revealed to simply be an antechamber for something much, much bigger. A Sararak's true resting place is underneath the lost city of Moyle, on the border of the negative energy plane, where Aserak has been studying its energies to gain unprecedented control of undead throughout the multiverse. Now, this is where stuff gets really crazy. Aserak traps one of his arch-nemesis in the negative energy plane in a tower that he makes. The enemy is a powerful paladin of Pelor named Saint Pentaville, Aserak wants to physically torture him for a long time, so he does, and he does this for hundreds and hundreds of years. Eventually growing bored, he creates a simulacrum to continue the process as he leaves. What the crap? <laughs> that's that's yep. so bad. Yep. Eventually, Aserak is killed by adventurers fighting through his tomb, defeating him, and he becomes uh, what is called a vestige, an ineffable, amoral entity, which can be summoned and bound by people known as binders, granting them abilities based off the vestiges of own abilities. Eventually, the simulacrum learns of the death of the real Sarak, and he s- and seeks to attempt to leave the tower in the negative energy plane where the real Sarak has bound him. He tries many times and fails. But he keeps searching, he keeps trying to find a way, and he finds a machine in the tower called the Soul Machine. And it kind of grinds up souls and allows them, makes them easier to use for different, th- different tasks. Nice soul smoothie. Yeah. <laughs> so he researches and researches and researches for hundreds and hundreds of years and is eventually able to, through the Soul Machine, make a new soul by grinding up other souls so he is able to find a way to create a new soul and he gives it to himself making himself now a real person no longer a simulacrum and he takes on the mantle of a sararak isn't that crazy okay so he he makes a a dungeon he lures adventurers into this dungeon 
kills them, grinds their soul up in a soul machine, and then makes himself a new soul. So the real Acerarach dies. He died by people fighting through and then killing his phylactery and full-on killing him. This is the simulacrum that's been left behind to torture St. Pentelville. (laughs) So this person is a simulacrum, and they realize, oh gosh, the real Acerarach is dead. I... I want to get out of here and kind of continue his legacy. So he finds a way to turn himself from a simulacrum into a full-on person. That's so messed up. (laughs) He is smart enough and magical enough to be able to do that, which is crazy. And the simulacrum is actually the thing we see on the front of the DMG and on the Tomb of Annihilation book. Because the person who did everything in Tomb of Annihilation is the is the simulacrum it's not the actual because the only way that we would see the actual acerac now is as as you said earlier when i said demilich a floating skull so the person with the real body the full-on body of acerac is his simulacrum but that one is probably is more powerful now because well the other one's dead yeah (laughs) so the simulacrum is an actual lich now yes that's that's a that's a cool clever story. It is. It's really cool. So he stayed in the tower in the negative energy plane for a while, using it like the real Acerac, tempting adventurers to save Saint Pen- Pentaville, only to destroy them and gain the power of their souls and continue his research. He did this for many years. Now the next part is going to be big spoilers for Tomb of Annihilation. So any of you playing it, I would suggest skipping a few minutes uh, in the recording. So while he is in this negative energy plane, he finds what's called an atropole. Atropoles are dead, stillborn gods. They are still like infants, and they have the, the like what you think of a uh, like um not infant. What's the whatever a baby looks like when it's still inside you? What do they call those? A fetus. <laughs> a fetus. There we go. That's the word I'm looking for. A fetus, and so it still has an umbilical cord in the whole nine yards, like, but it's this huge, giant thing. God fetuses. Yes. Nice. Uh, And so he uses his research to create a powerful artifact called the Soulmonger, which stopped anyone from casting any level of resurrection spell. Well, it stopped it from being, from working. You could still try and cast it. It wouldn't work. And that anyone who had been resurrected starts to decay and would eventually fully perish. He uses all of that energy to feed the Atropol and kind of try to reawaken it from its, like, hibernation. (laughs) This guy's so messed up. Yeah. Aserak forces the inhabitants of Chult, called the Amuans, to build the the Tomb of the Nine Gods, where he hid the Soulmonger and the Atropol using its dangerous traps like the Tomb of Horrors to kill more people, speeding up the energy the Soulmonger is collecting. When the collection was done, he murdered all the rest of the Amuans and used their energy to feed the Atropole as well. And so that is where Tomb of Annihilation starts. The Soulmonger is created and starts is activated. And so all of a sudden, these people are starting to decay that have been resurrected. And so it's this really crazy thing that you have to then find out where all this is and what's going on is the simulacrum in tomb of annihilation 
Yeah, uh, he's not. Some people have called him the antagonist, but I even I I watched an interview of Chris Perkins, who's one of the creators of of the kind of like current head writers and stuff, and he specifically said he is not the antagonist. He is more of a catalyst. The antagonist in both Tomb of Horrors and Tomb of Annihilation is the tomb. The tomb is the antagonist. And they wanted to keep that the same from the old edition to now. A Sarak is not really the end goal. The end goal is finishing the tomb. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. And that's all I have for a Sarak. And so today, what do you want to do exactly? Well, I think we have two options. We can either create a dungeon or we can create a lich. Which would you prefer? I don't know. I like I like both of those. It might be fun to try and make a dungeon. Um, I would say I, I I don't know of any other like well-known dungeons in D&D, but I'm sure there are others. So we might go like lich today. Mad Mage or whatever. Isn't that like a. Yeah, crazy one? but I know literally nothing about it as of right now. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, me too. I'd have to do research so I can, you know, send it to you. Yeah, yeah, because you're the one who does all the research for these. That's, that's right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I say we should make a lich today. Make a lich? Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't really know how liches are formed, except for that you have to put your soul in a phylactery or whatever. Well, is that, so is that in D&D, to create a lich, I'm not sure 100% the exact things required, but I know that there's like a ritual that you have to like sacrifice a lot of people to become a lich. Yeah, so they definitely have to get like a phylactery. Um, and there's some sort of ritual. Uh, yeah, it looks like they, they have to get a phylactery. They have to mm-hmm. make some sort of potion. Yeah. Um, oh that, yeah, like a like a Draco Lich. I remember that they had to do, they had to yeah, get this crazy potion a, to kind of, and there's like a huge possibility of them just full on dying. But yeah, they well, had to this do potion, this crazy potion. Yeah, the Lich's potion is meant to actually kill you. Yeah, so that's what the yeah that's what the, the Draco Lich did. It literally like kills you, but it kills you in such a magical way that there is a chance of you coming back. And then the final thing is the ritual. And the ritual requires fresh hearts. Mm. Just, you know, just fresh hearts, you know? It's, yeah. No, you just, I did. You just make those into a special dust, which is sprinkled over your body. Don't what? worry about that. You don't, you don't just get like a heart smoothie? You know, I mean, I've always thought about having a fresh heart smoothie, but it just Good seems for cholesterol. Little... Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> now, in my game, I did change this because I wanted to have like good liches. And they're like in D and D, the idea of lich is always evil, always terrible. Because as this ritual says, like you have to have, to have constantly have hearts and like all these things to keep living. So I had like I had a ritual and I had a phylactery, and the ritual just requires a vast amount of magic. And so this group that did it, they all they they were it was like a last ditch effort type thing. And so they would slowly regain their magical energy then everybody in this heat in this group would use it to turn one person into a lich and then if they survive long enough then they they all gain their magic again and they do it to the next person the next person and the next person until this whole group became liches some did die but the ones that were successful are still around and so some of them are good some of them are bad i haven't even made a lich in my world so Mm -hmm. Um, I have like I haven't even looked at very much of how to how 
a lich is made. But now that we know, uh, <laughs> I guess we got to make a, a messed so, up individual. Who... I have a I have a weird idea. Shoot, do it. What if? I mean, I still don't know why this would be. What if uh, it was forced on someone? Forced lichdom? Like, yes. And so this person originally didn't want to become a lich. And, we, and like thinking of it like as like some sort of like an end boss at the end of a dungeon, they have lived so long now. And maybe instead of dying, if they don't get the, the hearts, maybe they just starve. And so, but they, they starve endlessly. And so maybe they've, they've kind of gone mad in their loneliness and starvation at the end of this dungeon. That is super messed up. <laughs> it's partially based on a, a, a game that I, I've heard about. It's an amazing YouTube channel for like kind of diving into the narrative of games. Uh, it's called Jacob Geller. Jacob Geller is the host of it, and he kind of talks about stuff. And so he just released one about four short games about pain. And they're all like these four horror games. And one of them just really hit me. And I was like, ooh, ooh, that's dark and crazy. This person, this this woman, she was so lonely. And like she like tried to create a family for herself. And each one had their own thing that made them like not right, not perfect. The only one who was like close to perfect was the son and her, the young son. But he was fragile. And so stuff happens and some of them start to decay and some of them start to die. And so she just kind of goes mad of this loneliness. And even these creatures she creates can't fill that void. And it was just so creepy and so cool that I just I <laughs> I was like, I got to use this. I, I love the idea of somebody being forced into lichdom. But how does that how would that even work? It might even be like a curse someone's like cursing them for something they did in life maybe it was in a queen who uh this person who she didn't know was a witch like she had their husband killed or their their or their wife killed or maybe it was their child or somebody they cared about just like somebody like, like maybe it was hags in general just this covet that she angered in some way i now my initial my initial thought Mm -hmm. was a little bit different. My initial thought was like, say a queen or a king turns their servant into a lich because they want to be able to control a lich. Hmm. So they trick their like servant or, you know, like a maid or something like this. I kind of want it to be not a trick. I want it to be like they, they let them know. And this person is so dedicated to the family. Maybe they've served the family for, a long, long time. Maybe they're an elf and they've served him for like 250 years and they're like, if this is what must be done, I'll do it. But comes Here's, to regret yeah. it in the end. Here's how I see it. I wouldn't see it as like a lie type of trick, but more of like a stretching of the truth. So like what this will do will bring you immense power, bring back the family name, like restore, you know, order to our nation type thing, but not necessarily like, hey, we're going to kill you and turn you into a lich. I kind of like that thing they mentioned about restore the family name. So maybe they used to be nobles and they used to have this. They used to be like a great power in the city, but they are just now maids Ooh. to the nobility. And so this is like they see it as their chance to bring their name, their family name back to prominence. Now, here's another interesting idea that goes along this like ruined family name where they summon this lich. They create this lich for their own gain. Mm hmm. 
I like the idea of a, I don't want to say, I guess a criminal-like city where, say, these people rebelled and removed their rulers. And so now the old nobles have created, started capturing and taking the vagabonds from the streets and slowly turning them to make this lich. So taking their hearts, obviously. And that way the world, you know, or neighboring cities, neighboring nations don't really, they see this more as like a, oh, well, I mean, this city, people are disappearing and dying, but it's probably for the best because these people are low lives. Like they are no good or they're nothings. And so this like noble family slowly takes over the city by capturing criminals and vagabonds and homeless and, you know, just the the nothings of the D&D universe takes their hearts. Who is the, to... who is the forced lich in this idea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so say, so you have like a noble family who's, who's... I'm, I'm, it sounds a lot like vampires, like they take them and they take their blood or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking more along the lines of say like this city, the city lord, there was like a rebellion in the city and they essentially kicked out and cast out this noble lord and his family. Mm-hmm. And the noble lord ended up fleeing uh, to escape these, whether we want it to be bandits or criminals or whatever, but they ended up fleeing the city. And they decided, hey, the best way for us to regain our family line and family lineage mm-hmm. and regain the power that we once had is to create a lich. So they start stealing criminals and, and vagabonds and homeless people off the street. People that you know, maybe the current leadership of the city wouldn't notice or, um, you know, even like neighboring nations wouldn't quite notice or. But still, like who is who is becoming the lich? That's that's what I'm confused about. Oh, just a servant. It's the same. It's the same. Okay, like, so it's still just the Lord is turning a servant into a lich. Yeah. Because he to thinks gain he the power control. of that and yeah, overcome. Yep. And then if he controls the lich. You know, he can control this whole mass army of undead and, you know, but not have to kill himself in the process. Mm-hmm. Does it go wrong for him? Do you think that well, eventually, it might not be immediate, but after a certain amount of years, do you see, think that the, the... The thing that I would see going wrong is that a lich probably, you know, can't really be controlled very well. Well, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I was, that's what I was meaning. So does the person, once they realize, oh, wait, why am I following this person's commands i have way more power than them and i have this army behind me does that go wrong oh i mean i'm assuming well here's the thing though is if the lord has the phylactery touche he pretty much has control over the lich correct because he yeah. could like well he doesn't have control it. but he could yeah he could threaten to kill them and so i th- i mean now the question would be i mean couldn't the lich just like instantly kill this poor noble lord <laughs> I you mean, know, like, it depends just... on how how smart do you think this nobility is. If the nobility is smart enough to come up to have like a either they're a powerful mage or they know of one, and they have set up all these kind of wards to protect themselves from this lich, then I think they could they could survive. But if it's like somebody just playing with fire when they're not, they don't have any flame retardant thing or any sort of anti fire. Um, extinguisher fire extinguisher um then <laughs> yeah, hey no don't even extinguisher. we're just gonna <laughs> jump over that we're just gonna ignore that <laughs> i couldn't remember the word fire extinguisher <laughs> you know anti-fire thing yeah those anti-fire things you know 
<laughs> what's you shoot with a little foam you know oh man <laughs> but yes See, i think let's approach this from a dm running a campaign would you and this is this is a question i don't know the answer to this this is a question would you rather have it be the lord controls this lich or would you rather have it be the lich controls the lord or the lord is dead and the lich now just rules over i kind of like the idea of it being like ancient lore like this lich has now lived on for a long time like at the beginning that's how it was but this lord died maybe even a thousand years ago and so this lich has kind of been like maybe like the next person who took over was kind and nice and so let them have their freedom but this lich is like what do i do i i even like and so maybe they start a dungeon and become terrible and try to rule a place or maybe they're really good or whatever okay i yeah so the lord succeeds in what he does he Mm -hmm. forces this servant which you know now we're kind of in this whole story and not really focused on the single servant but that's beside the point he he turns this servant into a lich and it's successful and he's able to control the lich because he has the phylactery so trinket a you know whatever he has that phylactery and mm-hmm. uses it as a tool to control this lich i would assume that the lich does not like to be controlled even yeah. if the lich was a servant of the lord like a, a an unquestioning loyal servant <laughs> to the lord I think once you undergo the lich process, you probably, you know, your mind probably kind of <laughs> <laughs> doesn't really like that no more. Yeah, it gets a little bit corrupted, um, <laughs> but he doesn't have a choice and has to serve the Lord. And so the Lord commands this lich to ransack the city. And so the lich destroys the entire city in order to essentially create this empty hollow city for the lord to reclaim his name and his land huh. and i like the idea of that being like ancient a long time ago and so now the lord and his family have all passed on and the lich is the only thing that remains yeah yeah i like to think like it's an ancient civilization that is now maybe even is buried underneath the ground but this lich still remains and maybe they, they even remain if, if it's like an underground city now that it's been uh kind of the sands of time have come over it. Uh, maybe even the Lich lives down there in that what has remained of this now cavernous city because it's now in a cave. Or, or, this is another idea, the Lord succeeds, restores his name, and the city becomes another flourishing metropolis. And now, hundreds of years later, the Lich has awoken from his slumber and is now slowly plaguing the city drawing people into his lair that he's now created hence dungeon has now created to like bring in more souls for him to feed upon Mm -hmm. and it would be really fun and this you know again could just be me but it'd be really fun as a player to like learn about this whole lore you know obviously you'd have to be high level and kind of connect the dots between there's this weird you know plague or this you know like i always like when it's something like this having like maybe it's a phrase maybe it's just like a thing like uh i don't know i was i had one in my head but it just went away it was like something like um just something the kids say uh uh 
get home before the Lich King gets like you, or something like that, where it's just like, the Lich King is so a part of their history that, like, even though now it just seems like a fable, there are phrases in their common tongue that just reference it, and it's one of those things that they just don't think about anymore. And so when these things start happening, nobody realizes it until partway through, like, wait a minute, we've used this phrase a few times throughout the campaign. Could this be that Lich King? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, so yeah, like a, a nursery rhyme type of thing. I like Something that like idea. That. So, yeah, I also like the idea of, you know, they they make it to this city and like either staying in a tavern or whatever. They can even hear, you know, like say the tavern keeper tell this like old story of, you know, betrayal, rebellion, mm-hmm. a lord like raising this horrible creature to essentially destroy the city to start back and reclaim his name. Yeah. And they think it's, you know, legend says that this creature will one day return to plague the city again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing I do want to, I want to add to this story real quick. You can continue after. I just want to say uh, this story with the, the tavern keeper, uh, the story that he's telling, I, I had an idea that maybe when the war or whatever, the destruction was over, there was still this like evil hunger or like as we were saying souls or more hearts from the lich and so that they like had to magically put it in hibernation and so this awakening like they like the, maybe the king the current king knows that they have this lich under the the thing but they don't know that he's free oh yeah this and is so they purposely a- tried to hide it because like oh no he went crazy after the after whatever we did and so that's part of the tale is this gone mad lich. Yeah, I like half of this where I think it would be really fun to say, say once the Lord succeeded in destroying the city and rebuilding, he ended up putting the lich to sleep so that he that like he couldn't kill it. There's no way that this Lord could kill. Yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, that's kind of what I was meaning. Like yeah. He doesn't need it anymore and he doesn't want it anymore because it's pure evil and pure destruction. Um, and now he's built this thriving city. So he has now put this lich to sleep long ago and now that he's dead it's slowly waking up again becoming unsealed i don't know the right word to say but slowly awakening yeah um i like that idea a lot yeah and maybe at first it's still like in its slumber area and it's just doing these things almost reflexively with whatever magic it has it's kind of luring these people into where it is until they fall into traps or whatnot and they're they're just being lured here and then when it wakes up it kind of wakes up because it's had a certain amount of souls and maybe even if you want to engage the party in it early before the the lich gains like a lot of power and you don't want to make it like the big bad but you want to make it a mid arc maybe you make one of them feel this calling yeah i mean what i would also i i like the idea of this being like an early arc like where they're not fighting the lich, <laughs> like, but they are. Yeah, liches are CR twenty one, so. Well, yeah, you got to be really high level. So, <laughs> like, I mean, you could. I think you could make this any kind of arc you wanted. Um, mm-hmm. I like the idea of like first, you know, like first major city type arc where, like, you know, maybe the one of the party members is you know going to go and steal something. You know, like wakes up at two in the morning and they see you know like three people just slowly making their way out the city gates towards the mountains, just totally comatose, just walking away towards the mountains um, just to add to like the strange vibes or even like guards are like, 
we tr- like we like they woke they wake up the next day or something and guards are like we tried to stop them but they just wouldn't listen and they just kept walking and that mm-hmm. would also kind of the party could then like could be like a little like a little pinprick for them to like stay up at night to see if other people are doing this you know like if they watch slowly as people slowly exit the city every night um i think that'd be a really fun little thing to add yeah and then when the party gets to that dungeon they can be fighting like you know the spirit of a lich or you know like a fragmented soul you know like Mm -hmm. any like you could add all sorts of cool stuff or you could even make it like some sort of strange say along the line the lord who created this lich his family lost the the lineage to the throne and another group came and now you have the original heir is now trying to reawaken the lich to regain control of his city and then yeah that's cool the heir of the lord that yeah which I think would be really fun. Yeah, so you're not fighting the Lich. The Lich is still asleep, but you're fighting the, the yeah, heir. The, That's cool. The That's cool. original lineage, the yeah. heir of the throne, He they lost it you know, long ago to some other family. Um, and so then you could even talk to the nobles of the city and they don't know any, like they don't know anything about it, but the original heir who's now like hiding away in this like mountain trying to reawaken the Flactory to summon the Lich again so that he can regain his own power and control. Mm-hmm. that's cool and then it would it would also be fun if you did that too the party could possibly wa- be walking around a fl- with a phylactery in their pocket <laughs> i was thinking they they might find the body of the lich i wouldn't i probably wouldn't give them the phylactery just giving them like oh here is like why not a sarcophagus why? with the which you can carry if you want but <laughs> why not give them a phylactery I mean, I wasn't saying you don't. I was just saying. Oh no! I mean, I all I was thinking really of is giving them the sarcophagus because that's that's interesting. Because if later on you do want to have it awaken, they will have know exactly where it came from, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh no, I guess we didn't put big enough guards on it, or something more, or they didn't hide it well enough. If they tried to hide it, or however they tried to get rid of it or deal with it." They just didn't. How you could also play this running along this like little flactory line is you could not even hint at it being a lich while they're doing this side quest and they just find a, tr- a locket in the dungeon that the heir had that he was just trying to summon, resummon some sort of ancient evil spirit that destroyed the town. But there's a cool magical locket that you found. And so the party goes, we can't. Oh, oh, a big portion of the campaign with a flactory in their pocket without even knowing. That is interesting. And then maybe it awakens. Yep. And they still don't know. They still yeah. are. They go to fight it and whatnot. And they're like, and then maybe it comes out in like the final battle or something where it's like, that's the flactory. I mean, you could even, yeah. I mean, you could even do like, if you wanted like early, like, you know, mid arc as they like sleep, you know, cause they have, they can't quite teleport yet. <laughs> like they're just before that stage. You know, like they get attacked by like some weird group of cultists or something and they steal that locket from them, you know? Yeah. And that would create a intrigue. Like, what is it? Why did they want it? How did they know we had it type things? Right. And eat I mean, up. Yeah. Or like a brother and sister were the, the, were the heir and you killed the brother and now the sister wants revenge and she forms this cult and is now chasing you around. That would work too. I mean, there's so much potential or you could just you know, say, forget all that and have them fight a lich at level 20, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I would probably throw that. If if you're going to use the stat block of lich, I would throw it in earlier than 20. 
15, yeah, probably, too, probably less than that. Probably 13. I mean, it depends on how many players you have. But if you have like five, I would do 13 or 15. Yeah, and like magic items. Like if you don't, if you're running real low magic items, 15 probably they could probably still do it. Yeah, um, yeah, it's true. Low magic. If you're items running high magic. 13, I like giving them well cool either. magic items that let them roll more dice or kind of make them feel like they're 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 they feel physically as they're carrying more dice that they are getting more powerful. Yeah, most certainly. And so I think that would be a I I like it as a really early story arc. I think that would be really fun where you have to go in and kill the heir, the original heir, and like you learn all this history throughout the entire city and you know different stories and rumors and even like you know ancient manuscripts of accounts of this like lord who transformed his servant into some sort of horrible evil that destroyed the city so he could start back from square one and you end up following this this lord the heir to the throne into this like dungeon to fight him and prevent him from resummoning whatever entity this is which Mm -hmm. you don't know is a lich yeah yeah that's cool now let's dive into like who this lich was yeah, do we want to do... Because, I mean, we, we have a lot of other be... time for the episode, so we should dive into something about no, the totally. story more. Do we want this to be sad story? Like, how do we... I mean, it's probably pretty sad to be sacrificed to turn into a lich, right? I mean, it depends on how they feel about it. Are they super loyal? Or are they not? How do they... What is their connection to the family? How old are they? Are they going to die anyways? And they're just like, hey, why not? Yeah, maybe they have some sort of like sick. Yes, they have a sickness. Or... Yes. Oh, okay. I the, my idea now is, it's not like a servant of theirs. It's a servant of theirs, like brother or kid, some sort of their the relative of one of their servants that's going to die. Does not have like maybe maybe even money is not not the option is not the. It's not that they don't have enough money. It's that there is no cure to this thing. And so technically, Lichdom, they will survive this thing, whatever whatever the disease or issue that they have is. Yeah. And so they offer it as like, we can save them, but they will work for us. Yeah. You could also do a route, and this is a little bit more messed up. You could also do a route where, say, the Lord has slaves, and slaves... Two two slaves have a baby, and the Lord threatens either the parents or the kid when it grows up that if you don't do, if you don't undergo this ritual process, I'm going to kill your parents or kill your child. And that, or could maybe be the they way they try forced. to, they know they want to do this from the very beginning. So from a very early age, they kind of, this is also horrifying, like beat submission into them beat this that we're above you kind of into them into their psyche and into who they are yeah but they're I, very I, submissive to this family this line yeah or like a combination of the of the two where it's like they they essentially like the ruler essentially beats these slaves into submiss submission knowing full well that their son or their daughter is going to turn into this lich and if you do anything to stop it you know, we're going to kill your son. So like all of the above. Mm-hmm. It's just so messed up. <laughs> yeah, it is real bad. But at the same time, I'd feel like, you know, 
a good person probably wouldn't try to regain their city by summoning a lich. Oh, you no, know? no good person would do that. No, 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 nobody would do that. It is. It does <laughs> have to like... be a horrible human being who who believes I'm going to let Rome burn to. Uh, yeah, it has to I be like, like a Nero level villain where they're like, no, no, no. Rome will burn so that I can build a better house or a better coliseum or better whatever I want. Yeah, I feel like we've we've long passed the I'm a good person and we've jumped off the cliff of insanity, you know, like I feel <laughs> like we're not <laughs> when we started saying, hey, we're going to force somebody to be a lich. I think we kind of I mean, yeah, I think the moment we that was the that was the suggestion we were going with. We knew the people forcing them was not a good people. No, totally. And so then this kid, I see this kid kind of growing up as a they they look up to this Lord while the parents despise and hate this Lord because all the, but they can't do anything about it. So they're watching as their kid grows up with this like reverence and respect and like an undying loyalty to this Lord. No pun intended. And <laughs> I should, it should have been a pun intended, but it's not. <laughs> but anyways, um, so they, they watch in horror as their kid slowly grows up and knowing full well, what's going to happen to him as he ages. Mm-hmm. And so this kid grows up a pampered noble whose family line lost power. So he grew up, you know, riding horses, learning swordplay, um, all sorts of, you know, basic noble, you know, best, best education, this whole thing, but totally indoctrinated to follow this noble to his death. Yeah. And the parents are alive the entire process. Maybe maybe the society that this city is in, which we should try to think about next, maybe it's like an Egyptian society where when the king dies, all of the servants die with them so that they could go to heaven with their servants. Their servants are going to serve them in heaven. And so that kind of idea is a part of it so that these parents knew that they're going to die when this guy dies as well. So everybody in this society, and every servant in this society has this submission beat into them, kind of. So I have a few problems with that. And my main problem would be if if the city lords had lost their power from this city and from this culture, they wouldn't re- the culture themselves wouldn't revere them very much. So they probably wouldn't have that too much. And I and my other problem would be I like the idea of the parents absolutely despising this man. Oh, no, I still think they 100 percent despise him. Yeah, but just under the threat of I'm going to kill your your child if Mm -hmm. you you know, you won't be able to watch him grow up type thing. That works. That that is what prevents them from doing anything as they just hopeless helplessly watch out the sidelines, like on the sidelines as their son just slowly uh, grows up and then becomes a lich. Yep. Under the control of the noble and not a great ending for a. The child anyways. No, absolutely not. But at the same time, it's, you know, like the parents get to spend time with their kid. They get to partially raise their kid. You know, like if they didn't if they didn't accept this, they wouldn't get to see their kids. So it's like this like horrible dilemma, you know? Yeah. So it's just truly messed up (laughs) if you if you play it that way. Yeah. And the city, I would see the city. I don't know. How, how would you see, I mean, the culture of the city probably just like, 
I don't know, like a normal European city. I, I mean, I don't really see it. They, you know, they they kicked out their ruler to find a new, you know. In yeah, when I when better. I mentioned Nero and Rome burning, I just I I felt that as like Rome, that kind of Roman architecture and the Roman style government, and just yeah, that just feels right to me. <laughs> because like even yeah, that with Nero totally. letting like setting the fire, which is still not a hundred percent proven, but very much believed that Nero's burned Rome for his own uh, wants and desires. That same kind of level of, I don't, I don't know if it's insanity, but just of malice is definitely what is required by these people turning their servant into a lich. Yeah, totally. And I see like, I, I like the idea of like, he gets kicked out and for the love of my city, you know, I'm going yes, to. Yes, he still like believes it. and says that he is doing it for the city. That's great. Yeah, like for the love and the good of my city, I'm going to destroy everyone in it so that we can start afresh. Untainted and like every one of those terrible lines that if someone says it, you know they're immediately bad. Yeah, like <laughs> so messed up, but it's so good. <laughs> and then you can just, you know, like depending on where the party goes in this city, they find all sorts of cool cultural aspects of this city that point to a previous king who was, you know, a tyrant who rules an iron fist. And, you know, he was eventually kicked out and removed from this city um, and has no longer, no longer even a, you know, like a, a part of any noble society. Mm -hmm. I also see this city I see now how I would also love if I'm approaching this as a DM, I want my players to fall in love with this city so that when they know that it's, you know, somebody's trying to destroy it, they all the more try and like stop it because you can also run into the problem of the party kind of like, yeah, it's not interesting to me, you know, like doesn't interest my party. How how would you go about getting them to love a city? Well, I mean, NPCs are always a good way of doing it. So like mm-hmm. shopkeepers and, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. Like the tavern, the innkeeper, you know, that would be a really good one. The guy who tell like tells them these kind of stories and stuff like that. Um, even, and you might, another way to do it. And I'm probably I, like I'm, a way that you might change the, um, the innkeeper scene that we talked about previously to make it a little more endearing is have him like middle of the day. There's like customers and stuff, but he's still like sitting to the side talking to all these children or maybe like they're all huddled around the bar to hear his tale. Oh yeah, like that. I like that a lot. Kind of like a Jesus with with the kids type thing, you know. Like I was like actually thinking, um, uh, like uh, I don't know if you read the book, uh, Name of the Wind. Um, there's a bard in it that, in the first one, in one of the main, the first cities that they go to, uh, and the bard just is like he always draws such a crowd every time. And the main character is always like gets up in front, always wants to hear the tales of this person. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I, I, you know, and then you could even have him just take extra care and caution with the party, you know, like just always attentive to them. It's, you know, it's really easy when you're like really nice to the party and like, you know, like, and not in a weird, creepy way, though, because then that your party can get really suspicious of it. But um, <laughs> Especially if you betrayed them before with other NPCs, 
they're like, wait a minute, I don't know if I can trust this one. Yeah, and and what I was also going to say before that was you could even do like this isn't the first arc in the city, so like a little bit of other, you know, you rescue somebody's daughter, you know, like <laughs> you know, like just other little stuff that's kind of spread around the city that they've done a little bit beforehand. Um and then, you know, the NPCs that the party has come to like love and cherish, some of them start, you know, one of them disappears. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a... and it's an immediate plot hook because all of a sudden this, you know, shopkeeper that you've been seeing the tavern, like even or the tavern guy, the guy at the inn, the innkeeper is gone. Yeah. The wife and kids are like he's been missing for a couple days now since you've left to fight the goblins or whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? like Yeah, that's a good way of doing it. Getting him connected to a character then that character disappearing. Yep. And then it would fit perfectly in with, well, his part's going to get harvested <laughs> for the lich. Or, you know, his soul essence being used to reawaken it or whatever you wanted to do. Yeah. That's probably how I would do it. You could also just, you could also just like have them be contacted by the, you know, the current leader of the city or, you know, and he's like, help, my daughter is gone. She walked out of the city a couple days ago. You know, like <laughs> you can do that too if you want. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, it's always a little hard to, 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 unless you're like a higher level campaign, it's hard to make it be like, why is he contacting this group of level two to three characters? <laughs> right. So, yeah, I would probably have, I would have like the first three levels, say like one to four. Like you start at, like you start the very first session level one, automatic level up to level two, and then do like a couple more levels. So they're like level five, like the sweet spot. <laughs> and then just like all of a sudden the tavern keeper yeah, that I... they've spent several sessions with is gone. Yeah. Maybe you've even been doing like tasks for somebody who's high up in the government. And so he like has a straight line with the king. And so when he hears that you're you're kind of searching for this tavern keeper, he's like, wait, the princess disappeared yeah, too. Gone missing. Yeah. yeah, the princess yeah. disappeared too. Maybe these are connected. And like then you that's how you get your connection with the king. Because it's always fun to have like at least one connection with somebody of great power in this, in this whole campaign and be able to be like in like later sessions, like when things start getting like catastrophe giant level, they're able to be like, Oh, Hey, we got to contact this super well-known King and be like, we need your help. Or we're here to warn you about something like the, I don't know, 15 levels later, you know, 10 levels later, you're like, oh no, the lich is actually waking up now from the link, the trinket that was stolen from us. (laughs) That is a great way of doing it. Yeah. And like, he's coming straight to the town. Story arcs using one character. (laughs) Yeah. One villain. (laughs) It technically leads into two. Yep. (laughs) And now the party has to stop them both. One was the first story arc. The other one's the last story arc. That's a good one. So uh, now I, we should probably like try to figure out who this noble heir is. Are they like a cousin? Uh, well, he's probably son or a great grandson. Like how far away from the original king that did this is this heir? <laughs> oh, man. What was that? I just said he's probably four or four not found because <laughs> he's an heir. Anyway, oh my word, that was a real bad one. That and that took me a little too long to get. <laughs> oh man, that was a that was a stretch. 
but you know when stretches feel really good that's what that was that that's what that was Ugh. but yes we should even your bird was up. like oh this there was the sound of disgust in that in that chirp yeah she also groaned uh <laughs> uh but yeah, so okay, who is so, this heir? How many generations do you think it is away from the actual event? Do you think it's like three, or is it like ten? I mean, it's probably multi, It's probably a, a few, right? Yeah, I was I was like to be far away, but it would still be interesting if it was like his son or his grandson. But well, the thing losing is, is control it... of the which actually I've been I've been like playing a lot of Crusader Kings three, and like. Just the ease with which that can happen in a game, like you play as one as the as the the this amazing king, then you there's the son takes over or the or the daughter takes over, and they start ruling, and everybody just turns away, <laughs> and so losing control as the next in line is actually way easier than I <laughs> I thought it would be, and it's no, it's totally. really cool to kind of see that that how it's. Just like from everything from just being an inexperienced ruler to all these different things can affect like just how like easy it is for it to slip away. And so the it would be there would be a lot of rage in this air if they were like their parent went through all this effort and they screwed it up and lost it on their on their turn. Yeah, the more the more I think about it, it'd probably have to be somewhat close to feel the rage. Because if you were, you know, twenty generations removed, then it's kind of like, all right, well, I mean, <laughs> well, so I was thinking, I was thinking, it, whoever it was, it was like there, they had lost it. See now, how I, how my initial gut would be like three generations. So you have the king. Do you now have like a cybernetic gut, like cyberpunk? This right. is your original gut that we're talking about. All right, sir. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> but how 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 I was seeing it is you have the king, the original guy who who uh, it doesn't have to be a king. I don't even like it being a king, but we'll just say king. But you have the king, the original dude who made the lich. He ruled mm-hmm. the city for a long time after the lich destroyed it, brought it back to prosperity. Okay, he died. He died from a horrible dark power of some kind that ended up killing him from some sort of corruption. Just a a hint at lichdom mm-hmm. hint of the adverse effects of him turning somebody into a lich and messing with dark powers yeah um which uh, this was done. before the the before the uh actual recording but we've just talked about um forgive durden's uh album uh razia's shadow and in that one one of the characters that is from the dark which the it, it's a musical album it's amazing you should listen to it but the character from the dark, they, their proximity to this princess makes her sick with this sickness that he immediately knows is from his darkness inside of it. And so that would be really interesting is like this proximity to a lich for that long actually has a negative effect on the person. And maybe like this, this air doesn't know. And maybe if you want the air to become like a big bad. And so, Something or or maybe even just to make their encounter more interesting and not just you're fighting a dude with a sword. Maybe something about that them being like near this lich for so long has also altered them in some way. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. So King dies. He so he so the king makes the lich. King the lich kills the city. 
the king rebuilds the city, turns it into another glorious metropolis. Okay, he lived, his life was extended for a periodic time, but he died mysteriously of some sort of illness. And the hints are he lived a lot, he lived longer because he summoned this lich and the dark powers kind of messed with his his life. Mm -hmm. Um, But he mysteriously passed away from some sort of illness. So those are the two hints that you get from him making some sort of horrible dark pact. (laughs) Um, Those are the kind of things that the players can learn through history. Readily apparent or those going to be like things that you have to make history checks. Yeah, it would probably be probably not even history checks. It'd probably be a really hard DC for just plain history checks. But mm-hmm. like, you know, if they wanted to go to a library or like, yeah, codexes you can read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, something then you can they find, find in that. the dungeon or something. Right. Anything like that. Yeah. Um, he has a son. The son rules for a small amount of time, but is rejected by the populace. Okay. During this time, the son has a son. And the the son's son, <laughs> son son Bolano, <laughs> the son's son, um, mm-hmm. he watches his father get removed and ousted by the city, which gives him this hatred for the city. Yeah, ousted, ousted by the moon, moon. Right, <laughs> exactly. You're right. Yeah, you read my mind. <laughs> and so then the son dies. We are really bad at jokes, guys. <laughs> no, we're we're fantastic at jokes. <laughs> Listen, we're the best jokes. No. We have best jokes here, such as tears and potato wedges. Best jokes. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag best jokes. Please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, so the son watches his father get kicked out of the city from being the rulership, and he is instilled with this hatred for the city, essentially. And he thinks that it needs to be purged and restarted just like his grandpa, just like his grandfather did. And he has read that his grandfather did this by some sort of dark pact. The son of the son, (laughs) he, uh, after his father dies, he makes his way. It's called a grandson. Listen, I thought you would get it after like multiple times of saying son, son, but you just keep going son, son. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's gonna always be the sun's son. <laughs> but anyways, the sun's son. <laughs> he ends up going into this lich's dungeon where the flactory is. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, he ends up doing some sort of dark pact to try and unlock this thing, but he receives some sort of mysterious dark powers. So when the party fights him, he's not just a dude with a sword. He can like, you know, flash people with some sort of darkness energy and throw them against a wall. He can like, you know, burn their feet with necrotic energy, whatever. Like, you know, yeah. it's some fun abilities. Ellis rebukes. Yeah, because he's been corrupted great. by finding this area. Mm-hmm. Bam. Fun little story arc that then leads into big bad evil guy Lich comes back to life because you lost the locket that you found at level three. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a a well-rounded uh, encounter. And we, we talked about it in a weird... <laughs> points we didn't just go through one and then go through another and go through it was oh yeah they're mixed up in the episode but i think after all of it that's a pretty good encounter it's a pretty good like two arcs that you already have planned for the campaign yeah and all you had to do was make the king the son and the son's son yeah (laughs) and you know like you said earlier maybe the moon moon too if you really wanted Uh, well uh 
That's uh, episode 11. Sorry, 12. I I keep doing this when I say the wrong episode number. That is episode 12 of Dungeoneer. Hey, you know what's cool, too? It's the 12th today of the 12th month. Okay, everybody. uh, Just so you know, uh, I guess Aaron just said uh, we record on Saturdays. So, yes, we do record (laughs) on Saturdays. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, we do. It's true. And just because we got to add one of these references in every episode until it becomes a part of our brand, chairs and potato wedges, everybody. Chairs and potato wedges. Chairs and potato wedges. <laughs> we said it too soon before we had a following, and so we didn't. We, we got to make it a part of the brand. Got to. It's going to be in every episode. It's going to be in every episode. I mean, we're going to have to do the original chair and potato wedges segment, aren't we? I don't think I even have it recorded. I mean, I, that's the problem. Otherwise, I totally would. I mean, eventually we're going to. That's what's going to have to happen. We'll have to, like, you know, redo reenact it. it. <laughs> no, not reenact it. Just redo it. You know. Okay. I mean, it's a genius section segment created by yours truly, so it can't be bad. It can't be bad. I mean, he does all the research. He must know it must be good. Right. I put all the time and effort into <laughs> into research and creating this. You know. Yeah. Well, a segment that I've made in two minutes can't be bad. No, it can't. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Dungeoneered. See you next time. Bye. <laughs>